This call is being recorded. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, your Locked On Browns post game show. Jeff Lloyd, Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith, along for the ride. We're going to get into it. Um, certainly disappointing the outcome. Uh, due to what one side of the ball was able to do for the Browns yesterday. Pretty solid effort on their part, but we're going to get to all this, the good, the bad, the ugly, in what was a 24-22 loss in Lambeau Field for your Cleveland Browns. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit On Location e.exp.com slash s.b56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. As everybody's aware, and social media blaze here the day after Christmas, 24-22, um, the strength, or I'm sorry, the weakness of Baker Mayfield's four interceptions as he made his way back from COVID. Yesterday certainly proved to be the difference. Defense, I think, had a really, really solid effort. I think another great effort for Joe Woods. Only maybe question I would have would be rookie Richard LeCount on Devontae Adams in a uh, third and goal from the nine, and you're bringing the house. But other than that, I thought he did a really solid job there. First drive, Browns came out. And, Pete, I think the first the thing with the first drive is this is what we've been kind of waiting for this team the entire season, getting back to – the play calling that was so successful in 2020 where you kind of had no idea ever what was coming. Nothing felt too predicted and certainly, you know, went off without a hitch first drive, you get down the field, score the touchdown, uh, Chris, the kicker, obviously Shanks one to the right. Uh, then from there, you kind of put yourself in a situation where maybe you're chasing two point plays from there on out. Understandably. So maybe the confidence level in any kicker whatsoever at that point was maybe waned. Um, then you get to the situation where you get stopped. And Pete, yes, there were four interceptions, two involved Donovan Peoples-Jones, two involved Jarvis Landry. I'm not going to truly complain. And look, the first interception was bad. There's no way around it. But Pete, as I've been saying, and if anybody's been listening here, is you've got to try to at least, even if you can't be successful vertically, you at least have to show them you were going to try. Yes, it was a bad ball, but it kind of set a precedent of, look, we're going to have to try to do this. And was there contact there? Yes, there was contact there. Was there contact on the last interception? Yes, there is. Look, at the end of the day, if it wasn't called, then it necessarily didn't exist. <clears throat> but Pete, that th- th- that first one, and look, Donovan Peoples-Jones also could have done a better job of getting off the contact and at least trying to get himself back to full speed. Maybe at that point, he thought he was no longer an option in the play. Um, but I guess we'll get to all four of these interceptions. Um, but that first one, you know, it, it kind of served a point to the Packers that you have to be responsible for that area of the field, even though it was a poorly thrown ball. The bottom line is that he made a bad <laughs> decision on the throw, uh, should have hit the crosser, but which was wide open. Yeah, I mean, it, it just the the safety was going to be caught up in the in the wash uh, of of the throw, so he should have hit 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 the crosser. Uh, the problem is that it doesn't change the fact that they just simply grabbed and held Donovan Peoples Jones. And this is what uh, frustrated me to no end in this game. The fact that like you can say that Baker Mayfield made mistakes on these plays, but that doesn't excuse the 
clear and obvious cheating that was going on that wasn't called. I mean, it was just galling to see Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, this kid who's not designed to be the top receiver on this team. And he was such a problem for these teams that they basically were forced to just grab onto him as often as possible and it not get called. So, you know, as was the case throughout this game, there were plays that you could say Baker Mayfield needs to hit, needs to uh, plays he needs to make, which is perfectly reasonable. The problem is that then you see these things and, you, and you're going, yeah, he, he, he wasn't very good. And yet these calls completely changed the outcome of the game. I mean, three of the interceptions were either direct results of bad officiating, which included that first pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones and the last pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And then the face mask that wasn't called, that resulted in third and 19, the play afterwards was awful. But there's no getting around the fact that the play is completely different if it's first and 10, if it's supposed to be. So does that make Baker Mayfield, does that sort of absolve Baker Mayfield from the sins of the game? No, but it's impossible to ignore the impact they had on the outcome. Now, the second one, and this was the first one of Jarvis Landry. Obviously, Jarvis Landry was wide open. Um, it kind of almost seems like Baker Mayfield was kind of stepping into and creating uh, more pressure than probably was there, which led to him. And look, anybody wants to talk footwork, yes, his footwork is off right now. Um, has it been an issue for a lot of part of the season? Would it certainly be an issue of you know not doing anything football-related for 10 days? Look, I mean, you can make all the excuses you want at the end of the end. You know, it is what it is, and it happened. There's no way around that. Um, he could have easily maybe just said and taken two steps to the right where he would have had himself either a running lane or Jarvis Landry is going to go roll with him to the sideline, making the pass that much easier. But due to his footwork and due to the fact that way he was getting closer and closer to the pressure, I don't think the pressure was advancing north as much as Baker Mayfield was maybe advancing closer to the pressure. It was a you know short arm throw, which of course you know led to the ball sailing tremendously high over Jarvis Landry's head. Uh, so that you get that one. The second interception of Jarvis Landry, um, this is the one where I'm assuming miscommunication was brought out and mentioned. But, Pete, you can't throw it to your wide receiver's back, even if you think, oh, he should turn and settle because he's got a little bit of a, you know, the the defensive back's giving him cushion. You can't just assume that. And if that's the case, and again, there was another spot where there maybe was a running lane. And look, this is not Baker Mayfield. It's never really going to be Baker Mayfield or the strength of his game or what makes up his game. But you can't, you know, essentially, Pete, throw the ball to a, you know, a wide receiver who's got his head completely turned around and has no idea the ball was even released yet. No, in that case, I don't think that was what he was trying to do. Uh, he was working to his left, tried to open his shoulder, which is a difficult throw to make. He needed to throw it deep. I mean, it was a, it was a wheel route, and, and Jarvis Landry had the had the sideline. He was there. Uh, a deep ball, uh, accurately placed, would have gotten right past uh, Rasul Douglas, who turned around. It would have just gone right over his head, and I don't know how far Jarvis Landry would have gotten, but he would have gotten a massive gain. And Jarvis Mayfield didn't. And the other thing is, Jarvis didn't slip on that. When Jar that was Jarvis realizing that the ball had been thrown. And he was in no position to be – so basically he tried to hit the emergency break, and, yeah, he ended up on his ass, but, you know, the play was over before that anyway, so. No, I mean, it was, he, he was – it was a wheel route. I mean, the, 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 it's not like it was supposed to be a, a, a wheel and stop type action. It was and, – and, and, and it's possible it could have been a read uh, that would have given Landry the option, but he clearly made the right decision to keep going down the field 
because he was open. The ball didn't come out right. Uh, and that's the result. I mean, it, it, it looks like a bad decision. It's not. It's just you couldn't make the throw. If the decision is in question, it's, it's whether or not Mayfield could sort of physically get right enough to make that throw. That's the only part of that where you go, you know, was that the right decision? If he if he made a throw, he basically if he tried to make a throw that basically wasn't possible, then he shouldn't make it. But if the belief, which seems to be the belief of the coaching staff, is that uh, his read was right, he just missed the throw. It looks awful, uh, and it was awful. But uh, the, the, you can at least see what was supposed to be happening there. I mean, that I think that was the most you know, most frustrating interceptions because the play was there and they just couldn't make it. And, and you know, this is partly because, uh, you know, the, 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 the offensive line in particular, Blake Hans was getting destroyed and that was sort of forcing <laughs> Mayfield to work to these awkward angles. So, I mean, Baker Mayfield is sort of the, the, the consistent thread through where, you know, the Browns had problems in this game. Um, but I think it's more of a product of the overall offense than anything else, which isn't great. But Baker Mayfield has to be better enough to sort of counteract those issues. And he and he wasn't in this case. Uh, no question about it. Um, we'll get to the last interception here in a minute. Um, but not to take away some things from some players on the Browns on the offensive side of the ball. Anthony Schwartz, you're, you got a really good glimpse yesterday of what the Browns think he can be for this team and when you can run the ball as well as this team runs the ball and teams are going to have to sell out to stop it when you can run these you know reverses and you know with Anthony Schwartz who has you know optimal elite of the elite speed in the NFL you see what you get from there uh again congratulations to Anthony Schwartz his first touchdown in the NFL I mean great place to probably get one um you never know the next time you're going to be in Lambeau Field so congrats to Anthony Schwartz there Rashard Higgins Jarvis Landry uh productive in what they did Dearness Johnson uh fantastic day uh you know contributing a 30-yard run on third and 10 was hella crazy hell of impressive um Nick Chubb was just an absolute animal all day long over seven yards per carry uh the 40-yard screen uh, three three receptions a total for 58 yards. Just phenomenal, phenomenal day for number 24. If you had 27 yesterday as well, I think that this game probably would have went differently if you had Kareem Hunt involved. Uh, the tight ends, um, it wasn't really a great day for the tight ends, and and that's okay because they got wide receiver you know play that they haven't really been getting here in a while. Um, so you know so there were some bright spots. Um, people are going to have some conversations in the offseason here about maybe just putting 71 at right tackle. And after all these years, maybe kicking Joel out to the left side, maybe it's easier to find a left guard than it is to find a tackle pairing. Maybe that's possible. We'll see. That'll be a fun thing to, you know, banter about. But the fourth interception. And look, again, he threw it again. I think part of the reason maybe you're throwing these balls is maybe also figuring that if the ball's being thrown, somebody is going to see the transgression being made by the defensive backs. And some of this is on Donovan's people's Jones. Pete, you got to get these guys off of you. There's just no way around it. Um, and look, it's, as you said, it's, it's unfair to put him with a label of wide receiver one. Uh, he's not ready yet. There's no way around it. Um, and situations obviously dictate, you know, that for all intents and purposes right now, he is their wide receiver one. Uh, again, 
he's he's not ready for it. But Pete, in these situations, man, you got to find some way, any way, to get these guys the hell off of you. Yeah, look, this is the development of Donovan Peoples Jones is having to happen in the spotlight right in front of our eyes, and it's certain things he does really well, and certain things he's he's still trying to figure out. Now, in this case, uh, on that last interception, he's trying to fight for space on on the slant. He's trying to avoid getting washed down by the DB, so he's leaning into him, trying to essentially get his depth before making the cut inside. And when he makes that cut, Rasul Douglas just straight grabs his back, the, the back of the jersey, full handful, and drags, you know, uh, DPJ enough that the ball can't get to him cleanly. It sort of gets tips up. And then using the momentum of, of uh, pulling that jersey back, uh, Douglas sort of slingshots himself forward into the interception. Um, it's frustrating that Donovan Peoples-Jones – has been put in this position. He's not there yet. There, there's so much to like about his game. I think the last two weeks really highlight what he can be and what he still has to improve. But I mean, again, like this is this is one of those situations where if you're you're, you're Kevin Stefanski on the sideline of game, you're, you're sitting there going, telling the official, the Packers don't need any more help. They're really good. They're they're potentially a favorite <laughs> to go represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the Browns have enough trouble as it is, and, and they're just completely getting hosed on our obvious calls. So, I mean, again, you, you sit there and criticize and you say, Baker Mayfield didn't play well. Uh, maybe he wasn't good enough to win. But then you completely took it out of his hands and, and you, you gave if – you, if you're saying that Baker Mayfield isn't good enough, you've now given him, you know, sort of an excuse not to be – because the officials are so bad. And if you think he is good enough, you're, you're, you're frustrated that you essentially got cheated out of his ability to prove that. So, I mean, that's what the the awful officiating sort of wrought in this situation. Like, if Baker Mayfield is able to sort of lead what needed to be a touchdown drive, the Browns weren't playing for a field goal there. If they got the touchdown and they win the game, it becomes a massive uh, boost for Baker Mayfield. He played poorly wasn't able to practice for a week and a half had because of the COVID situation had to show up on a private plane the day of the game and went out there and, and suddenly somehow managed to just do enough to win the game. You know, you know, gritty gutty, all these sort of uh, ways to describe him would have been applied. And instead we're sort of left with, you know, plenty of people saying, well, he's, he can't do it. And, and others pointing out that, you know, I, I would have at least liked to find out one way or the other. And so uh, whatever your feelings on Baker Mayfield uh, coming out of this game, it's it's just impossible to deny that the Browns essentially were robbed of their ability to, to, to prove it. There's no way around it. And you got to that final drive, had your timeouts, uh, you know, so it gave you opportunity to use the entire playbook and, uh, you know, Again, fourth interception, killed it, um, and you know sent a whole bunch of Browns fans to an unhappy Christmas evening. Um, 24-22, difficult, difficult loss. And in the game that I think a lot of people thought the Browns were never going to be in, um, but there was a reason they were in it, and we're going to get to that here in just a second as we continue here. 
on your post game, locked on Browns, I guess, which is a uh, non victory Sunday. The holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you something extra to keep you going. So throw in a new jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's a season of peace and love, let's not bring up our favorite Built Bar flavors at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it. And things certainly could get a little awkward under the Christmas tree. You friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of the Bilt Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice, melty Bilt Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins. Could get a little bit messy. Like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays? You need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, taste so good, you won't believe that they are filled with protein. Go to Belt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Stat Hero. Stat Hero play is part of the Daily Fantasy Sports world. Nobody plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you are up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup and the winner takes all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovative way of fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero, a head to head, is what daily fantasy sports should be one on one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on. The defensive side of the ball, Pete, uh, Green Bay Packers scored 21 points off of the first three interceptions from Baker Mayfield. Uh, some short fields. Uh, Devontae Adams, absolutely just a, a, a beast. Alan Lazard catching the record-breaking touchdown from Aaron Rodgers. For a team, Pete, that wasn't able to get much pass rush, and Miles Garrett, to his credit, out there, but certainly a shell of himself yesterday, uh, certainly didn't have the juice that we're accustomed to seeing from Miles Garrett. But this team, Pete, they competed. They played hard. For the most part, they covered well. You held Aaron Rodgers to just about 200 yards passing. Hats to the ball at all times. Again, tackled well. Um, they were able to sniff out, you know, some, you know, uh, there was a reverse uh, Equinemus St. Brown. They were able to blow up for a 10-yard loss. Joe Jackson had a great, great effort on that play, not losing his cool, not chasing, reading what was coming, setting up 
taking it out. And here we are again, Pete, you know, and it feels like for the umpteenth week in a row where we are praising this Cleveland Browns defense and defensive short, uh, coordinator Joe Woods. Uh, again, the only thing I would pick on is, you know, maybe putting rookie uh, Richard the Count in that situation against Devontae Adams. Um, you know, that's, that was kind of a layup there uh, for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, certainly in that standpoint. And I do want to bring out one name because we've been critical of this guy at times. But Pete, yesterday I thought he was a little bit of a tone setter. MJ Stewart was physical, uh, you know, tackled well. Um, and, you know, normally we see a lot of, you know, MJ Stewart getting a high, you know, statistical total as far as tackles because he's giving up a lot of receptions. But I thought he played really well yesterday in a great effort from the Browns defense. Well, MJ Stewart had done well when he was sort of like just being thrown in there in spot duty when the Browns had the rest of their guys healthy. Um, for example, when Ronnie Harrison got ejected, uh, he, you know, MJ Stewart played pretty well. Um, but he struggled last week at times when he, he was not now the most veteran safety out there. And this week the Browns had Grant Delbert back, who was impressive in his own right. But mm-hmm. MJ Stewart, um, his attitude after last week's game was indicative of what this team wants to be. He viewed it as an opportunity. Uh, and he played it like that. He played it like a guy who understands what you know what what he he's sort of being given in these moments and made the most of it and you know he he I don't know if he's really going to ever be a top three safety for this team I, I'm not going to rule it out but he's certainly good enough to be the fourth guy for for somebody who was uh, thrown away by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year and the Browns just sort of grabbed him he's more than earned his role and I think you know this 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 is what makes the the penalties and, and the awful officiating so frustrating to me is because the defense was outstanding. Like this was the big last test for this defense this year. They struggled against the Chargers, Cardinals, and Chiefs, three teams that have quarterbacks who could extend plays with their legs and be really effective throwing the football. And nobody's better than Aaron Rodgers. They had a an outstanding receiver in Devontae Adams. They had a really talented backfield uh in Aaron Aaron Jones and uh the other one the bell cow kid uh and you know Devontae Adams was outstanding you know he he caught 10 passes for 114 yards I think it was for two touchdowns and he and he dropped one uh which would have probably sealed the game for the Packers the Browns had no answer for him in that game at all however outside of Devontae Adams Aaron Rodgers had 88 yards passing I mean the Browns were good on third down and, and fourth down. They, you know, the Packers went for fourth down once for one yard and got it. But on third down, they were three of 10. The Browns got them off the field seven times. In fact, the Browns seemingly when they were ready to roll over and die, that's when the defense played its best. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what drove me nuts about this is because as much as like, and, and I think this is true for me, the season in general is like, we're so caught up in, in what we thought the Browns should be and perhaps even still can be, which is still incredible to think about uh, that we've sort of lost this, that the defense has been really good and it didn't even matter who's on the field. I mean, the, the, the big thing the Browns did this off season was they signed John Johnson, the third, 
They signed Troy Hill. They signed Jadevian Clowney to Karis McKinley, and they drafted Greg Newsom. None of those guys were on the field yesterday. <laughs> like, and they were good. That's what that's what makes it incredibly frustrating. Is is you have like everything, like all, all the cliches you hear from this team about you know, you sort of rolling with the COVID situation, seeing his opportunity, you know, next man up, trying to go 1-0 and every week. I mean, coming out of the game last week when the Browns lost the Raiders, the immediate reaction was the Browns have no chance to beat the Packers in Green Bay. None. Like it was, They were written off entirely, and they came out here, and they were more than good enough to win that game, if not for mistakes, and then ultimately officiating. So that's where, you know, and Joe Woods – deserves a ton of credit uh, for basically sticking to his guns and not listening to anyone about trying to switch up his defense. The fact that he's been so consistent with what he wants to do, that has sort of enabled guys to come up and play uh, at a relatively high level quickly relative to their own abilities. Uh, You saw a little bit of innovation behind the fact that they basically run three coverages. They run match quarters, cover three and cover one. But then early in the game, you saw that sort of amoeba look early with the three and four guys standing up on the interior and, and, and guessing which one was going to bring the pressure because they have no defensive tackles left. Uh, and it produced results. So uh, that's where, you know, this type of game just guts me for this team is they've done everything they're supposed to do COVID has, has killed them. Injuries have killed them. And, and yet they're still out here competing in a way that uh, should be able to make people proud of what this team wants to do, but it gets lost between the result of the game, Baker Mayfield's interceptions and then officiating. There's no question about it. And I I didn't even need, I didn't even think about it, sit down to go that far into it, but yeah, obviously the top five, um acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball nobody was there yesterday um and if Jadavian Clowney was able to go I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Garrett probably didn't even dress yesterday I think that was one of those ones where they pay, basically said Miles uh look whatever you can give if it's 15 if it's 20 it's 25 um it was just a numbers game where we don't have another route to go um you know Malik McDowell I thought maybe Malik McDowell would be used in edge up you know some edge opportunities yesterday obviously for Malik McDowell you know wasn't feeling well enough to obviously you know be a part of this yesterday so it worked out that way um and it it just again Pete it just seems so crazy to me that we are in a position now where we are speaking so much more highly and confident of this defense and then you let yet looking at the other side of the ball the offensive side of the ball and just left with a million questions right now Right. I mean, look, the, the Browns uh, seemingly found a running game that hit, had been mysteriously gone for over a month. And that's in part because the Browns were able to create opportunities in the passing game. I think that's the other part that 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 makes Baker Mayfield inherently frustrating is that he can clearly do it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's been the thing is like you just sort of want to grab him and shake him and be like you're good enough to do this just freaking do it all right example third and 16 and he absolutely seeds it between the eight and the two Rashard Higgins for a 17 yard gain in a first down and there were a number of throws that were like just behind a guy in a break or or whatever that which looked indicative of a guy who couldn't practice 10 days yep and then none of that makes it okay to 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 be wrong and I think Baker Mayfield was pretty out in front of that uh, in the post game, which isn't going to make anyone feel any better because all they want to do is win. But 
that's where I, 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 I want to like, as much as I want to hate this season, like I find myself really in, uh, impressed and sort of liking what this team is doing. I hate the, the product uh, and the fact that they're seven and eight, but I love the process. And I, and I feel like they're this, sticking with it is the right move, which is exemplified by the fact that, Kevin Stefanski never hesitates. He's always going, yeah, Baker Mayfield's our quarterback. And every week we have to do this. And no one else ever asks this question uh, about their quarterbacks that are struggling right now. And this is sort of the other thing that gets lost in this. You know, the, the between not being able to practice this year, which has been across the NFL due to COVID and then injuries with like Baker Mayfield, where he's he, he fighting to get on the practice field, but he was clearly – jacked up with his feet and knees uh every quarterback who's like sustained a, a real injury this year other than Aaron Rodgers has gotten bad like has gotten worse Russell Wilson hurts his finger has the surgery he's unrecognizable from the quarterback we've seen this year or in past years Dak Prescott the the Cowboys are winning a ton of games but their offense is constantly under fire for how well they aren't doing and he's not playing well. Uh, Lamar Jackson is having arguably the worst season of his career. And obviously injuries are a major part of that uh, around him, but that has been a big issue. So like you watch these Kyler Murray, you know, everybody applauded Arizona for, for sitting him the uh, three weeks, I guess. You know, he was kept out because they were trying to make sure his high ankle sprain healed. And now they – and that was prudent. But now they look jacked up. And, and obviously not having DeAndre Hopkins is hurting them. But he doesn't look anywhere near the quarterback that was beginning of the year. And I think that's part of the problem is, like, I think this is a 2021 league-wide problem. And I think the, the, the most prudent course of action for most teams is to just stick with the one you got. I mean – People are like clamoring for Derek. We're clamoring for Derek Carr and, and seemingly were yesterday, despite the fact Derek Carr was pretty underwhelming against the Browns JV defense last week. I mean, I, I don't know where you're going to find anything that gets this team dramatically better short of Aaron Rodgers, who has no interest in coming here. The the, the answers just aren't there. So in, in for about 20 teams in this league, the, the answer is basically just throw out what happened to quarterback last year and see if you can't get through it. Now, will the Browns look? Sure, they're going to look because that's what they do. But I think ultimately they're going to end up back with May- Mayfield, healthier, hopefully more, uh, you know, with more consistency around him. I mean, that's the other thing that's going on with this team is Joe Batonio looks like a Hall of Fame left tackle in addition to being a Hall of Fame guard. But they haven't been able to put together the same offensive line for two weeks in a row basically the last three months. I mean, you had, uh, you had uh, in this case, Nick, Har- Nick Harris, who played reasonably well in his debut, but Blake Hans can't play dead. Michael Dunn had some good moments, but he also had some plays where he got blown up. It's really difficult to, to get any kind of consistency out of this team in any respect. Wide receivers aren't very good. Tight ends are talented enough, but are just not giving you as much as you'd like them to give you. And then the offensive line is a mess and and the quarterback is a mess. So as much as you can get to this point where you're sort of like, I want to throw it all out. I think the reality is the Browns are closer than people, which will make me sound insane. I'm sure 
But I think the Browns are far closer than most people want to believe they are based on what they're looking at. No doubt about it. And we're going to get to a little bit more here and basically where, you know, this season lies in the weeks going forward. Difficult loss, but I mean, the defense, you absolutely have to be thrilled with the way this defense is trending in Cleveland. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or your use mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. So what we're looking at here, folks, uh, today, this is Sunday. At the time of recording, you are looking for the Cincinnati Bengals to take down the Baltimore Ravens, down to their third quarterback in John and jo- Josh Johnson. Kansas City Chiefs to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is where it's going to get interesting. This will be, you'll know what's going in to when you go Monday night into Pittsburgh, you are going to know what's going on. Oh, there will only be 17 regular season games to be played at that point. Everything will be in front of the Browns. They will know their fate when they take the field into Pittsburgh, whether or not they still have a shot or not. So you need Cincinnati Pete to take care of the Baltimore Ravens. You need the Kansas City Chiefs without Travis Kelsey, but with Tyreek Hill to take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then we will see how it plays out, uh, you know, going into next Sunday and then next Monday night. The Browns, it's crazy to me. I think the Browns are still going to have a shot at the division because uh, I I don't, you know, the Ravens have Josh Johnson playing. You know, the Bengals had their number the first time. I don't expect that to change. Uh, The Steelers, or, you know, the, the Chiefs have a couple guys out due to COVID, including Travis Kelsey, which is really challenging for them. But the Steelers are are even more injured than they were. They have their own issues. And I don't, you know, as as however much the Chiefs might be impacted, they're still better than the Steelers. So, I mean, the Browns could easily find themselves in a situation where if they just take care of business uh, against two teams that, that they played reasonably well i mean they they crushed the Bengals and they had their chances against the sealers if they can beat those two teams end up at nine and eight that may be good enough to win the division uh which makes no sense uh it doesn't make them a good team uh i don't think the team that wins the afc north regardless of who it is is a good team but nevertheless it's an opportunity to win the division for the first time in 30 years uh it's an opportunity for for this team to sort of be everything that they their their coach is asking them to be. And, you know, given the challenges they faced, particularly these past two weeks re- revolving around COVID and injuries, um, it would be just a tremendous accomplishment for a team that was obviously supposed to be really good this year, hasn't been, and now has to sort of figure it out. But they are far from the only team in this boat. Um, so if you give them the opportunity to win the division and they take it, I think that would be huge for this team, even if so many things about about this group have been jacked up and ultimately uh, things that, that most everyone would like a do-over on. 
it, it, the opportunity is there. And look, the Bengals can say whatever they want about, you know, there's not much to do in Cincinnati. Um, if I'm the Bengals right now, I have my fingers crossed and I'm scared to death from the fact that my team has not really been affected by this because it, it seems that it has not shown any mercy and it has not been, you know, blind to any area of the United States. So if I'm the Bengals, I'm certainly shaking like a dying leaf on a tree right now about, you know, the possibility, you know, that this could come, you know, for them at an inopportune time here over these last couple of weeks. So, you know, for the Bengals, you know, you certainly got to have your fingers crossed there. Uh, Baltimore, I, I just, I don't know how it comes around, um, especially when you're in a game like you're in today, one that you absolutely desperately need. And you're looking at Josh Johnson, the third, who wasn't even good enough to, uh, you know, be a starter essentially for the New York Jets at times where they were as, you know, beat down as they were. And, for the most part of it, Pete, if the Browns have the opportunity, and granted, they, they don't control their destiny. There's no way around that. We know this. But I do feel that this team that we saw yesterday, and keep in mind, there are still more coming because you can add Malik McDowell to that mix of players that would be coming back. You could add Jordan Elliott to that list of players that would be coming back. If this team, and look, you take the four interceptions away, it's the offense looks pretty good at times yesterday. And this is maybe how bad it was that this is, you know, it looked good yesterday. And keep in mind on the offensive side of the ball, you're certainly talking about getting, you know, Kareem Hunt back, certainly talking about getting Jedrick Wills back, you know, possibly J.C. Treader as well. But the way this team performed yesterday, Pete, if you tell me you got to beat Pittsburgh on the road and you got to beat Cincinnati at home, this team that I saw play yesterday and the way they played on both sides of the ball, look, the, the interception is not astounding. That's good enough to win both those games. It truly is. Yeah, I mean, look, the defense has been really good against the division. Um, they've given up 17.2 points per game uh, over the four games and caused nine turnovers, none of which came against the Steelers. Um, if, if their offense can be more along the lines of what they, they, they showed against the Packers without turnovers, then they're going to be in pretty good shape. And the fact that fingers crossed, you know, they're, they're, they're largely through the COVID issue, at least from the major uh, people that need to be, uh, they can get significantly better. Um, you know, the one, obviously the one thing you're, you, you fear at this point is that either Miles Garrett or Joel Batonio gets it, both players who had it last year. Um, but everybody else is largely, had it or, or most everybody has gotten it and, and gotten through it. So at this point it's in some ways sort of like the chicken pox in the worst way possible uh, that getting through it sort of earlier might prove beneficial. Um, and maybe they can now get on the practice field and get really get better with these last two weeks. We'll see. I, I think um, there's because it's division because of what that involves in itself but also because of what these two weeks have sort of done to this team. I think the, the Browns are, as much as they're probably emotionally exhausted, they're also probably pissed and ready to get back after it because they do see themselves, you know, you, you, you lose a heartbreaker to the Raiders without 25 players. You lose to the Packers without however many players they were without in that game and the officiating and everything else. I think the Browns, in many ways, look at this and go, if we just get to have our football team on the field, we're going to be good enough to win and take care of business. Now, 
they have to go out and prove it, but that's sort of where this season ends up. And, and, you know, if, if things work out the way they, they, they could with the Ravens and Steelers losing this week, those games suddenly become for the division. So they have every reason to keep grinding it out and, and playing for it. And I think they will, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't pay it off in, in, in at least against the Steelers, but it's difficult to see how this team doesn't play well against the Bengals again, just on matchups. The 2020 AFC North, perhaps the division nobody actually wanted to win. This has been your Locked On Browns post-game show. Pete Smith, along for the ride, as always, from Sports Illustrated. Check everything out on Sports Illustrated. Browns Digest. Pete and the team continue to crank it out week in, week out. Phenomenal effort. Phenomenal work. Make sure you are reading, following. Check out the podcast. Make sure you check out for um, for Pete's sake with uh, Pete and Nicole. Again, as always, fantastic job between the two of them. Just continues to grow and grow and get better and better with each week make sure you're following at underscore pete smith underscore want to thank everybody who makes lockdown browns their first listen day in day out make sure you're following your host myself at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd the show itself at lockdown browns follow back account wherever you listen to your podcast make sure you're following or subscribe to the lockdown browns podcast five star ratings written reviews please and thank you if you're in the holiday spirit of giving i do appreciate that um, with that being said, it's going to be a wild last two weeks here. Has it's been an entire wild 21 season here for your Cleveland Browns? This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.